Welcome into Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and my co-host Randy Sherman will join us here in just a second. As always, thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports. If you're thinking about new basketball uniforms for your program, let me encourage you to take a look at 323 Sports' good game line. Right now, they have a special home and away uniforms, that's jerseys and shorts, with a shooting shirt for only $145. Find out more about what they can do for your program, visit 323sports.com or contact the sales rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your basketball program. We talk frequently on this show about offensive concepts and uh, here the last several weeks and even in some of our breakdowns that we've done, we've showed some of those concepts, but... Uh, I think uh, Randy and I both have, have talked here recently about the importance of being a teacher of the game and, and what that looks like and breaking down the skills and the micro skills. And when you talk sometimes with coaches, you talk about conceptual offense, they don't necessarily know exactly what that means or necessarily how to teach it. And so today we want to give you just a few of those concepts. This is no by no means like an all-inclusive list, but just kind of three things that um, probably most that have run conceptual offense, you either are fortunate enough to know this going into, which I hope some that are listening to this, you're, you're going to know these concepts before maybe you even are faced with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple of them, Randy, I found out by coaching, like this doesn't work. I wonder, I wonder if there's a better way to do this. And so maybe we can save coaches some time with that. You kind of want to introduce these concepts and maybe even some of the stuff that I just talked about right there. You've worked a lot with conceptual offense coaches. So I'm sure you've Mm -hmm. gotten some feedback uh, in relationship to some of the stuff that I already mentioned. I think what we're focusing today on today would be if your offense is sort of like catalyzed or, or, you know, the thing that makes your, your primary weapon in your offense is dribble penetration. That's what we're talking about today. So when a player is driving the ball, that, that might be off of just attacked off the dribble. It could be they used a ball screen. It could be they're coming out of a dribble handoff. But what, what we're going to focus on today are some good concepts to, to brand your team with at that moment. A player is driving the ball. And how do we turn that good thing? The player is on the attack. He's trying to use an advantage or, or, or get by his guy and, and, and attack the rim. That's a good thing. But how, how can we, what can we do to enhance that? And not, not just enhance that, but what can we do to make sure that when a player is doing a good thing, attacking the basket, we don't off the ball do a bad thing and sabotage our own teammate. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I do see that often. I also often see so many times, and I think the the materials we draw we th- that are that are in today's presentation, you drew them from an article where I wrote about like in so many offenses, like a player, you know, like maybe just taking the ball and attacking is that in a lot of offenses, that's that player sort of leaving the offense. Like they're supposed to, you know, pass it here, screen there, get in, you know, get it. But they, they leave the offense, if you will, and go on the attack, sort of like abandoning the script of the X's and O's and attack the basket. And sometimes in, in those style of offenses, they're the the conditions of the court aren't very good for a, that player leaving the offense and doing that. Mm-hmm. So what we're talking about today is maybe more of the mindset that that 
that driving the ball isn't leaving the offense. That is the offense. That 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 is the thing we're doing to generate points. And ultimately, we're we're attempting to maintain the spacing that will then allow us to be able to create the advantages. I I came across recame came across again a quote from Doug Lamov's book. Another form of decision-making involves the coordination of individual decisions within a group. By yeah. understanding and anticipating the decisions of those around them more efficiently than the opposition, good teams predict and react to one another optimally and achieve something that's similar to problem-solving or perhaps artificial intelligence. And I, I maybe That's beautiful. Yeah. I think think maybe coaches again that aren't necessarily as familiar with this think that there's just players moving and, and really that it's the coordination of individual move individual movements and patterns that then make the whole thing work together real well. And these yeah. are three of those concepts that if the other players on the floor don't know exactly where to move. If you haven't coordinated those efforts, then to your point, it's just going to be a guy like randomly driving places and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't depending yeah. on where the defense <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. We're, right. we're, I think our main goal is we want to avoid sabotaging ourselves. And like I, the, the, the quote you read was great. That's, that's perfectly segueing into what we're going to talk about, about, this particular moment, a player is driving the ball and the, the players off the ball sort of recognize that and they, they sh- we, we have a shared cognition of what's going to go on in this moment. Yeah. And if you're watching this, you can see up on the screen, we do have a picture of Villanova and that was not by mistake or just no. accident or <laughs> clickbait. Coaches who have seen them play, everybody loves the way that they play, but like what actually makes that up? And these are three of the concepts three of many that they use that you you'll probably see, yeah. uh, you'll identify as like, Oh yeah, I've seen that happen before. So let's go ahead and jump into the first one here. Headlights and taillights. What does that mean? And then what does that look like out on the floor? Okay. Quick review. Remember what we're talking about today is the moment a player's driving the ball. That could be, this could be two rejecting a ball screen. It could be two getting a dribble handoff and attacking or something like that. Whatever led to this attack is not really relevant as much as a a driver is on the attack. And and at that moment, what I want is for the player driving the ball to know, to, to you know, to refer back to your, the quote you shared from the book, the player driving the ball is aware of, or, or almost certain of where his teammates are going to be while they're driving the ball. And one of the, the rules, if you will, that, that I like, and, try to help coaches install with their teams is when a player is driving the ball, we want to get a player in the headlights and the taillights of the driver. So imagine the driver is, is in a vehicle that has a, a car with headlights and taillights. And you can see that in frame one as two is driving. He sees player three fading to the corner in front of him and player one he doesn't see them but he knows they're there in his taillights so should that drive get cut off and they stop and pivot they know instinctively that a player the next man over from the drive is filling into the taillights so i would say one thing that i i like to do when i watch a team play or 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 help a coach or or my own teams would be when we drove the ball, that that's something very objection, you know, we, objective. We can say, okay, we got we got you in the tail lights, but you you should have cut over and behind this guy, and that and didn't give him that outlet behind him. We want to build the habit of knowing where all four of our teammates are going when we drive the ball. Where are they? And two of them headlights and tail lights. 
so much of decision making is what you see and sometimes seeing before you see it. And that predictability, that coordination of actions and movements by the players, I have found to cut. Everybody says they want to play like 0.5 basketball. Here's another way to cut those seconds off of the decision-making process. Because if a driver can know these guys are always going to be there, then it's that man. How did he? How did he know that he was going to be there? Well, that was yeah. a, that was a predetermined coordination of patterns of movements by all five players on the floor. It's not enough, for instance, with the taillights. This is coming from a teacher who kind of have struggled through this the last three years and teaching, introducing conceptual offense, trying to learn it on my own and then trying to communicate it to my players. It's not enough to just circle move behind the play. Like if I know that that guy is always going to be there in my taillights, if I don't have a score with my drive, a throw, a pitch, baseline drift, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. along the baseline there, I can turn around and know exactly that that guy, where that guy will be exactly, which will then allow us to be able to keep an advantage or whatever. If he comes to a, let's say, stride stop and turns around and now he has to find that guy, I guarantee you it's yeah. too late. The defense has recovered. The advantage is lost. Even if he may have been open or is open for a pass, like the defense is recovering by that point. Mm -hmm. But if he can turn around and throw and that player is right there, there in the corner as shown on the screen, that's yeah. a catch and shoot or attack another drive and escape out of it or whatever. Yeah. It has led us closer, like I said, to playing faster in the half court. Yeah. And a lot of times if I've seen this examples of this, a player's driving it, He's got the head. We got a guy in the headlights, but they did the opponent did a good job of, of helping the helper. And that drift pass is kind of hard to see. We're not able to deliver it. So we we want to pivot and find the guy behind us. He's not there. And now I've touched the ball with my offhand. I didn't keep my dribble. I didn't Barkley or I didn't. I've touched the ball with my offhand. And now this possession is the, the likelihood of it ending up well drops, you know, killed my drive. I expected you to be there. You're not. Now my, my, I've killed the dribble and, and, we're kind of now rescuing that possession mm -hmm. then then really sort of thriving after that moment when the season gets underway your time is limited and often important aspects of your life get overlooked including your health late nights studying film stress levels are high you're constantly eating out on the road and working out becomes non-existent the fundamentals of basketball help you win games and the fundamental habits of exercise and nutrition will improve your health so that it doesn't take a backseat during the season. Start building healthy habits of nutrition and exercise that maximize your time and manage your stress. My name is Craig Richards and I am an online fitness and nutrition coach. If what I've just described sounds like something you struggled with, I'm here to help. In the description of this podcast is a link to a free workout plan all workouts are under one hour to capitalize on your time. If you'd be interested in something more personal and hands-on, a link to one of my coaching applications is in the description as well. Just as you invest time in the game of basketball and the improvement of your team, make sure you invest time in the improvement of your health. All right, so first one there, headlights and taillights. Even using, by the way, those cues will help players where do I need to get? They all understand car, headlights, mm -hmm. taillights. Um, something that simple is a great communication yeah, a terminology, yeah. terminology teaching cue. Mm -hmm. Second concept to teach here, no consecutive drives. 
Yeah, this this one's sort of negative framed. So uh, meaning it's like a rule we like a don't, you know, do's and don'ts. This is a don't. You could you could phrase that differently. The way it's it's um, it's explained today would be just to avoid making consecutive drives. And this one is is I found something that's really new to a lot of coaches. And I've experienced some some coaches who kind of like, why would you? Mm-hmm. not do that or what's what's so bad about that and and then i've i've talked to a few coaches who've like gone back and looked at their film after being exposed to this concept and go you know what like yeah like we do that and it's ugly and it ends up mm-hmm. badly a lot of times the idea is to avoid the situation you see in frame one we got a player doing a good thing and he he or she cracks the shell of the defense and, and we cause all those yellow colored defenders to collapse, to converge. We've in a sense like punctured the defense where it's shrunk down and collapsed. And, and we're not going to score on the drive. They, they successfully protected the rim from, from us going and dunking it or laying it up. And, and we kick out. Now, what happens if two immediately on that catch just drives it like you see in frame two into the reddish pink area, he's driving or she's driving right back into the clutter and everything that fell down when we collapsed the defense, all the bodies, the paint is crowded. There's not a path to the rim. They just caught it and put it right back into the floor. And they're driving kind of right back into the rubble that player one's drive created. So in lieu of no consecutive drives, the video, you could you could see the concept of penetrate, pass, pass, where in lieu of penetrate, pass, drive it again we want to make another pass if we don't shoot it now we want we also want to think penetrate kick shot but if if the shot's not there, there's a good closeout like you see here this collapsed the defense he kicks out to the corner to the headlights of the drive and now now they they move it along one more pass and the theory behind this tony is is by the time we we make a second pass that collapse has expanded back out in the second, the second pass that player could drive the ball because now that, that the collapse that the first drive created has re expanded and the second, the driver after the, the extra pass can safely drive again. I've talked to coaches who, who played with this concept and have found like, you know what, that, 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 that is helping us. It's helping us, make extra passes and it's helping us avoid charges, turnovers, mid-range pull-ups because I'm driving that first pass and I pull up instead of going into the crowd. And, and so another way of saying it is like drive, kick, swing, or extra pass, penetrate, pass, pass, whatever language you like. Um, but that idea of avoiding those back-to-back drives. Take it from a coach, just like the one you explained, who I was wondering, man, we're we're committing extra charges. We're not getting the shots. It's becoming neutral again. And I think to your point, the first collapse, you will find that sometimes on that first pitch, the guy closes out and he's there. Yeah, they'll get to but, that one. But if you look, it's really just that one guy who's there. There's four more guys that are there in the paint. And they and, don't know who to go you know. to. Yeah, yeah. And even if you attack that closeout, then there's nobody to pass to because there's just so many hands and things are taken away. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. on that last clip, if, if people were watching, if you penetrate and kick and a guy's open, like, shoot it. 
but you will often find that the one more ends up giving you a chance to either shoot it or drive it again. And by the way, I know some coaches are going to watch and be like, no, we get drive, drive back to back and it gets us stuff. It'll get you stuff from time to time, depending on where you drive it. But I would really Mm -hmm. encourage you to look and see, especially if you're committing a lot of offensive fouls, um, the turnover, you'll cut down on turnovers by not driving twice in a row. And I think, too, there's two other thoughts would be, one, most teams will get the first closeout. They'll, you know, we drive and kick. They'll get mm-hmm. someone to go to that guy. But, but like, the next one, it's I can always say it's always the second closeout. Like, mm-hmm. it's always the second closeout. It either didn't come or it's late or we can really attack that second closeout. It's always the second closeout we want to, to, to fixate on. And two, I would offer one maybe small caveat to the skeptic who's who's saying, eh, I think I'm going to stick with some back-to-back drives. I, that's cool. I would I would offer this small like amendment to the blanket statement of no con- no consecutive drives would be if we go drive, kick, and you want to drive it again, show them the ball. Hmm. Like that, sometimes that extra second of a of a of a of a shot fake allows that defense to re-expand, right? Like I held it that one second to show you the ball and get you in the air. Now I'm past you. And and maybe that extra second of we collapse, now let's get back, that that the shot fake took can can maybe be almost like an exception to the no consecutive drive rule. So if you want to stick with it, maybe explore the idea of like, okay, show them a shot fake. What we want to avoid is Randy drives, kicks it to Tony, and as soon as it hits Tony's hands, he just drives it right back into the the rubble that I created by driving. If you want to go back-to-back, show him the ball, and that'll let that defense enlarge back out. One kind of random thought, but in conjunction with all this, when we had drive, kick, drive again, what I found that that's a very fast way to slow down that half-court pace that you have because on the second drive, typically when you drive, a guy will, if you've trained again where to look, Mm -hmm. he has four options on that drive. If help comes from the dump-off spot, then you dump it off there. If help Mm -hmm. comes from somewhere else, you kick it to that. But the problem is, is that when you drive the second drive, you have basically eliminated the first driver because he hasn't had time to go back out. So there's... There's mm-hmm. now you're down to two perimeter players and because the defense has collapsed, it's very difficult to dump it off to if you're playing like four out to like a dunker spot guy, because everybody's already there in the paint. So essentially what I found is you're left with that second driver coming to like a stride stop or whatever, and then trying to look around and find the only other two perimeter players that would even be options. And like I said, there is no faster way to kill yeah. advantages or slow down your half court. Uh, with with the back to back drives there, that's a great point. Another another thing. Now that you're you're sort of like mm-hmm. bubbling up some more thoughts about about me listening to your points, it would be sometimes okay. We go drive kick, Randy drives kicks to Tony, and I'm not I'm not either one of those guys. I'm somebody else. And when you catch it, you're open. I assume you're going to shoot it, so I go yeah. and crash the glass, and you didn't. You drove, and we're just creating more obstacles in the lane i assume you were going to shoot it because randy drove kick you were open but you didn't shoot it you want to drive it maybe you're a red light guy or something like that like who's been told not to shoot you and and i thought you were going to shoot it and you're gonna we're gonna crash and now we've uh, we've lost yet another outlet guy because i thought you i crashed the glass i thought you were about to shoot it 
if you play like this, like if you play with this style of offense, I would strong and you haven't thought about this or haven't looked at it, like please go back and look at it. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling you're gonna find there's a lot of things that could happen just based on personnel or where yeah, where the drive happens a lot, I found that that can have um kind of different results to it. But you eliminate yeah. this and it'll it'll improve. Again, it's not like you can't score off of a of a double drive. I've seen it in the NBA, sure, but it will dramatically improve the ball movement, the open look, a bigger advantage maybe that you find. Yeah, but you could maybe get a clean look on the extra pass, whereas the guy who drives the drive has to make some acrobatic scooping thing through a bunch of obstacles. That's exactly right. All right, third one here, drive opposite the catch. Yeah, this is um, this is a concept, not new. I I remember talking about this when I coached long, long time ago. When we receive a pass, like you see in in frame one, one passing across the top to two, we would prefer that that you drive it to opposite the catch. Does that make sense? If you're looking at the screen, I'm sure it does, because in frame two, I've got it illustrated. But if you're just listening, I catch the ball coming from my right, and I rip it through and drive, say, down the left lane line if we make a top-to-top pass in like a two-guard front offense. That idea of the defense was over here when the guy on the right slot had the ball, and we passed it toward the left, and you know I'm driving back into the teeth of the defense if I drive it back toward the direction of the pass. Instead, we, we talk about ripping the ball through. Um, I taught two different transfers here. We call it transferring the ball or ripping it through to either sweep it, which we would take it low and almost like sweep the ground with the ball and rip it through and drive, or we would swing it, which would be like maybe we caught it up near our face or our head and I just sort of pull it over my head to the other shoulder and, and transfer the ball to that left side If in this example to drive it down that left lane line. So sweep it or swing, it doesn't, you know, depending on context, but transfer the ball to the other side of your body and drive it away from where you caught it the theory being again that the defense was over there you're driving back into the teeth of the defense the second theory being if you if you are watching on the screen you see the two big gray bubbles well we we prefer a player to attack the larger amount of space so so that's where the larger amount of space is in this particular diagram we want to build that habit of hey given the choice of the two spaces one to my right, one to my left. I want to defer to the larger piece of real estate to attack with the dribble. Great question to ask is just simply to your players, where is space? And allow them to look and see. Don't tell them, just drive opposite the catch. Ask them, where is space? Okay, let's go and attack that space. I guess one kind of caveat would be, this is assuming that on the catch or on the pass, player one is standing still. Or like, or maybe he just interchanges with the player yeah. below him, but like yeah. we 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 keep floor balance. Yeah. And yeah. I think what you may be getting at would be sometimes player one passes to player two and then sort of like cuts to clear space to across the court, in which case your question is good. We where is the space now? We've 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 manipulated it by by cutting the passer and created a situation where driving back toward the greater amount of space might mean driving toward the catch, but we, we created space by cutting the passer. So right. this, yeah, good, good point. Cause in this, in this diagram, it just assumes that, that, that didn't happen. And, and um, there's, there's this sort of like traditional four, some two by what I call two by two spacing in this frame. 
um, and we we would prefer to attack opposite. Another way we could have di- diagrammed it. I know a lot of teams when the ball comes up out of a corner, mm-hmm. they stand still. And in that case, you wouldn't want the ball in, in it's diagram three passing up to two and then two dribbling it back at where the catch came from. Mm-hmm. You're going to teach your players drive opposite the catch. Or there. change it or reverse it. Yeah. With the pass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good. And then like you see in frame two, we kind of to, to taxi on something we began this conversation with would be we see once player two rips it through and drives it, we see movement. We see that coordinated movement. Of, okay, this is a moment. We've practiced this. We know this. This is a house rule. A player is driving it, and this is how we react. We want to get a guy in the headlights. We already got one, three in the corner. He's in the head, in the, in the cones of, if you imagine your headlights on your car create sort of like a cone-shaped ray of light. When player two rips it through and drives it, three is in the headlights. Don't leave. Don't leave the headlights of the drive. You're you're in it. One, we need to get you. We need to get somebody behind to, to fill behind. So you see that also with the first concept we shared. Yeah. So three concepts there for teaching offense. This is the kind of stuff, coaches, that if, if you're – just learning conceptual offense or wanting to improve, even hearing like phrases or asking the questions that has for me as somebody who's learned it over the last four or five years and then tried to instill it. This is the stuff that's kind of like taking it to the next level. And it really helps my players. I love this. I'll probably go back and listen to this again, just to hear like another coach like Randy that's taught it and that understands it, how he phrases things, how he communicates things to his players, the questions that he asks them. The concepts that you see on the screen, I I think it just goes back to that, like, we all know what good offense looks like. What are the ingredients that actually make that up? And then how do I teach that to my players? I have found is like a whole different, whole different thing. And it's the difference between like your offense actually looking like a, like a true offense and you just kind of having a bunch of random parts that the players may or may not really understand like we said, like drive opposite the catch. You can say that to anybody and people can be like, okay, and they can memorize that. Mm-hmm. But if they understand the concept when it's coming up out of the corner versus when it's thrown from slot to slot, you're going to have to teach it over again. Oh, yeah. well here, space is different now. You have to remember yeah, drive that's to... That's a good point. Like I, but because of the messiness and the just how things move constantly on the... If, you, if they don't understand concepts, you're going to be dating the same concept over and over and over and over from different spots on the floor. And it has accelerated the learning of my players when I'm able to just teach the concept and they grasp the concept rather than memorizing a new action based yeah. off of where they're at on the floor or what number I hold up in the air to run a yeah. different play. Another point I would make too along those lines would be I think sometimes... I, I get the idea that that coaches watch a team that exemplifies some of these things we talked about today. They like Villanova or something like that. They watch them on television and go, you know, oh, those guys are so such smart players. Or they they as if these guys were just born knowing that mm-hmm. you know this is taught. Like this can be taught. It can be practiced. It can be broken down into two player, three player, four player type situations to where like. I, I think sometimes we think, oh, that team's he just gets to recruit some guys who just mm-hmm. come pre-programmed knowing this stuff already. I'm like, no, he has mm-hmm. to teach, you know, you can teach this stuff and you will have to teach this stuff because a lot of times our instincts when we're out there playing sabotage our own teammates. 
my instinct is telling me to move here, cut closer to the ball. And, but really we need to override that sometimes and move opposite or something like that. Like this is not something that like you watch it and admire it as some trait that comes pre-programmed into a player like eye color or hair color. Like, no, mm-hmm. this is taught. This is taught by someone who understands and, and is into the concepts we shared today. And that is a great segue into teaching uh, some sort of conceptual offense, especially if you're a five out coach. We did a mm-hmm. clinic last month. It was defensive focus. We're going to do another clinic this coming month, September. So Tuesday, September 27th at 830 again, Eastern time. We're going to do a five out clinic and it's going to be more than just like introducing to you five out. We're going to try to give some of these teaching points and some other things that you can do out of it. But um, if you are interested in that, we are going to post that here shortly on both of our social media accounts and you'll see some stuff for that and what exactly that'll be. And if you sign up for it, you have forever access to it and Mm -hmm. diagrams. And we had a Q and a that I felt was as beneficial or probably more beneficial, maybe even because I, you know, specific to what they wanted and wanted to learn out of it that lasted uh, about 30 minutes, probably could have gone on for even longer. So that'll be Tuesday, September 27th at 830. Thanks to all of you who joined us this week because it was something that was shown on the screen. If you're just listening to this, I would encourage you to go and find the video of it. You can do that at YouTube, type in Radius Athletics, and you'll see the full interview there. Or if you want to listen to it again, you can find it on a podcast platform. Just search Hoops Forum. For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. Talk to you again next time on Who's Forum.